Welcome to the Five Freedom Show. My name is William Wood. And my name is Christian Vesterfeld. And we're here to help you find the freedom that you've long deserved. We believe that there are five basic freedoms that every human being deserves. We believe that these five freedoms can be cultivated. We're here to entertain you. We're here to inform you. We're here to help you take your life to the next level. So if you're ready to have some fun, if you're ready to learn something new, then go ahead and crank up the volume because we're ready to rock and roll. Now, this next one is is one of my my favorite ones. Actually, it's not my favorite one. It's it's one that makes me probably one of the most uncomfortable of all. And it's no no, it's not about uh, having any kind of extramarital affairs or or you know getting romantic. Uh, boy, I almost since uh, shared a dream that I had <laughs> in my adolescence, but. Uh, I want to keep the rating for the show, uh, children approved. But in any case, so so oftentimes uh, individuals will have dreams about nudity, whether someone else in their dream is is naked or they themselves are naked, and and usually associated with this is some embarrassment. It's like I can't believe that <laughs> I'm naked. Uh, so, but what does that mean? What do you make of your dream that involves nudity? Well, what I have found and what actually a lot of research, dream researchers have found is that generally when, when people have nudity in their dream, there's, there's this emotional or psychological exposure or a vulnerability, and it's usually being expressed through nudity in our dreams. So, so when you have a dream that involves nudity, I want you to take a step back, and I want you to think, where in my life do I feel vulnerable? Has any part of maybe my private life been exposed. So let's say, you know, you're you're at work and you're supposed to be, it's like during the NCAA tournament, right? And and you're watching the NCAA tournament on your computer. And I know this because I've done this, but they have this, what is it? It's like a uh, a boss button. It's like the boss button or or the wife button or something like that. And when you press it, it pops up this chart. Right, I can't believe that they actually this the site is illegal. It's like they're helping people not work <laughs> and break their their work rules. But you know, maybe you are concerned that you've you've been discovered, you've been exposed. Maybe you're worried that your boss has some information or caught you watching the NCAA basketball instead of working on uh, the PowerPoint presentation for this multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's just a, that's a thought. So along those lines is 
paralysis or feeling paralyzed. You're, you can't move. You can't breathe. The inability to breathe means you're suffocating. Maybe in a relationship, uh, someone is, is too present. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a gentle way of saying being smothered by love uh, or infatuation. But dreaming about paralysis can also indicate that you, the dreamer, feels there's a lack of control in your waking life. You're wanting to make decisions for yourself, but life is so chaotic that you just, you can't do anything. I mean, hey, I understand. I've got five kids. I have a wife. I've got work. I have personal interests that I'm pursuing. It's like every minute of my waking life is consumed by something else. And it's like if I make the wrong turn either way, I, I speed off the road, off the, the highway, and, and I lose control. And so how much control of my life do I feel I have? So dreams of paralysis, that's what they generally mean is that when you don't have control of your body, this is your, your unconscious mind saying, hey, there's a part of your life that you feel like you're out of control, that you don't have control over. So take the time, write this down, and then spend some legitimate time exploring your internal self as well as your outward or your external activities. And you got to be honest. You got to be honest. You got to say, hey, you know what? I really don't feel like I'm in control at home. I, I really don't feel like anybody in, in my household is listening to a single word that I say. And once you articulate that, once you say, I'm out of control, you have just taken the first step to taking control in your life. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't going to do this because uh, a lot of you might think that I'm really crazy. But <laughs> let me give some background. I'm, I'm going to share another dream with you uh, that I've had personally. Now, as, as an undergraduate, I, uh, I was working with foster care children. I was... Uh, I was a mentor. I was a, 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 I helped tutor them. I was an advocate. So I met with social workers. I met with psychologists. I met with attorneys. Uh, I was that. Uh, I met with uh, school administrators and school teachers. And I was, I was basically saying, "Hey, you know, don't forget this child." Don't let them get lost in the foster care system. It was a wonderful, wonderful job. And uh, it really uh, sensitized me to uh, the needs of, of our children. 
uh, especially those who are the most vulnerable. Anyway, at the same time, I was uh, volunteering at a uh, local rape crisis center. And basically what that meant is uh, once a month, I would carry a pager for 48 hours. And it actually, because we didn't have enough volunteers, I ended up volunteering uh, to carry that pager two to three times, sometimes even four times a month. And any time somebody had been sexually assaulted and they were wanting to file a report, uh, they, you know, they wanted to have the evidence collected, they would contact the crisis line and then the, you know, I would get paged and then I would go down to the hospital and I would provide the survivor with a whole bunch of information uh, as well as the, you know, whether it was the mom or the dad or the boyfriend or the girlfriend, uh, whoever was there, I would provide them with um, whatever information they, they needed at the time. And so during this three, three and a half year period of, of volunteering with individuals who had been really violated and, um, uh, yeah, violated, uh, I got to hear their stories. I heard how everything took place from their perspective. So one night, I, I had this dream where I come walking out of this house. And I'm, I'm going to talk about, remember, I'm walking out of a house. Okay, I'm going to talk about what, when you dream of a house, what that means. But in any case, so I'm walking out of the house. And I, I, I get on the sidewalk, and in front of me, there are all these children. They're faceless children. When I say faceless, I'm not meaning that, you know, they, they didn't have eyeballs or a nose or a mouth. They just, they were faces that I personally did not recognize. And they were screaming. They were terrified, and they were running. And then I saw all these women who were also terrified, and they were running, and they were screaming, and they were pleading for help. They needed protection. And I saw this, and I said, hey, I can help you out. Come to me. And I directed them to go into this house. Go into this house. Go. I will protect you. And off in the distance, I saw this man walking toward them with a chainsaw. I mean, I could, I could hear the chainsaw in my dream and I, in, in my own body. I could feel the panic. I could feel the anxiety uh, swelling within me. I mean, literally, my body was anxious, and I was terrified, but I knew I needed to take a stand. So there I am in my dream, standing up without any kind of personal defense weapons myself, as this man walking toward me. And it was a faceless man. This, this time, uh, the, the man with the chainsaw literally... Uh, had no face. I couldn't see this face. And uh, I don't know what happened. It's kind of a blur. Next thing I know, I'm viewing this dream from about three to five feet above, up in the air. 
And this is where you're going to think that I'm crazy. But I see this man, this, you know, I can see the back. And he's just like chainsawing the perpetrator, the guy who had originally had the chainsaw. And there was, I had mixed feelings. There was a part of me that was like, yeah, yeah, you, you destroy this guy who is terrifying and we're gonna, it was going to hurt all of these young children and, and ladies. But there was a part of me that was like, this is awful. This is gruesome. Now, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. And remember, this dreams, it might seem like it was lasting forever, but it was actually just a very short period of time. And all of a sudden, the man with the chainsaw, who was doing the chainsawing, turned and I could see the face. And it was me. I was the man, not the original man with the chainsaw, but now the person who was dismembering and dismantling this person who was the perpetrator. I was the one who was doing this. I wake up from this dream just totally panicked. I'm out of breath. I'm breathing heavily, and I'm just... My heart, my soul was just completely pierced. And I was like, oh my goodness. Does this mean that in my heart of hearts that I am like a secret, desiring, desirable murderer? Is that who I am? And I started questioning my own integrity. I was terrified. I thought that this was a manifestation of some sick internal desire that I had. So at the time, I was taking abnormal psychology from, without a doubt, the best psychology professor I've ever had in my life. Uh, Super long hair, incredibly awesome red beard, tattoos all over the place. If you saw him on the streets, you'd probably walk on the other side of the road. Anyway... So I took this dream to him, and I said, Professor, what do you make of this dream? And, he's, and he, he said, well, what do you make of the dream? Which is, I use his phrase all the time uh, when, when people ask me to, to try to interpret their dream, like I'm you know, Joseph or anything like that. Anyway, and I said, well, I, I have no idea. However, I'm, I'm afraid that this is like I have this really sick internal desire and he says no i mean possibly but i doubt it do you think that that's true i'm like no that's what makes me that's what turns my stomach into knots of course i don't feel that way so instead he said well let's look at your life what is currently going on in your own life so we were talking about a lot of different things and eventually we got onto the topic of what I what I was doing at the time for uh, for work, working with uh, children in foster care, and um, you know uh, volunteering with the Rape Crisis Center. And that's when he says, "Well, see, let's look at it this way, Christian. You are working with children who have." been exposed to some of the most horrendous things children can be exposed to and you are concerned about them 
you feel for them. You have compassion for them. And these women, you're devastated by the devastation that they have experienced in life. It makes sense that you are concerned about their well-being. And I said, well, that's fine. I, 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 can, I, can, I can grasp that. I'm, I'm comfortable with that interpretation. But what about me sawing this man to death? And he says, well, that's an easy one, Christian. How do you feel about the people who have perpetrated the offenses to the children and to these women and to these men? And I said, man, if I could lay my hands on them, I'd probably pummel them, maybe even destroy them. And he just kind of looked at me and he nodded. And he said, uh-huh, mm-hmm, hmm, that's interesting. I'm like, oh, wait a second, what, what, what? really? Ah, oh. up until that point, I had not actively, constructively addressed how I felt about the perpetrators the people who were inflicting the harm on the individuals who I was serving, who I was trying to help. And for the first time, I articulated my sentiment and, and all of this built-up emotion. And ever since then, I have, I now, I, I mean, ever since then, I, I learned the value of accurately and actively describing my own thoughts and my own feelings that uh, arise when I'm working with individuals who have experienced hardships as, as, uh, as a result of somebody else's doing. And, and I have to keep that in check because otherwise what ends up happening is, is within myself I, I get conflicted, and, and instead of trying to be helpful to the individual, I start being destructive within myself and, and uh, by wanting to go and be destructive to uh, the perpetrator. And, and how does that help uh, the clients that I'm serving? It, it really doesn't. So, you know, the, the power of dreams, we can, we, the dreams, again, if we tap into our dreams, we can learn so much about our waking lives and the problems or the dilemmas that we are currently wrangling with. So earlier I mentioned that I would uh, talk about uh, the meaning of the house. Now, this is pretty consistent through all of the literature on the symbolism of dreams, um, but generally, when an individual dreams about a house, it typically represents the dreamer's mind, okay? And depending on what room you are dreaming in is an indication of uh, the level uh, as, a re as it relates to you as the individual. So... Uh, or the different level of, of uh, consciousness. So, for example, if you're having a dream 
and the dream is taking place in the basement, then that's generally an indication that there is an area in your life that is being neglected. Now, I don't know what part of your life is being neglected, but this is your mind's way of saying, hey, hello, you've been ignoring me or you've been ignoring a big part of your life and it's time to come downstairs, turn on the light, look around and start addressing your personal issues, the concerns or the conflicts that you have in life. Okay, so that's, that's if you're dreaming uh, and it's taking place in, in uh, your basement. Now, the other part is if you're dreaming of a bedroom. You know, this generally, generally relates to intimate thoughts and, and feelings. So the bedroom is an area that you feel safe and you feel comfortable. Okay, you're, you're, you know, in your bedroom, this is generally where you, you sleep, right? So you have to feel comfortable enough to, to be able to close your eyes and fall asleep, relax, and feel safe. You know, you snuggle up into your bed, comfortable bed, you pull the blanket over you, and you've got this nice pillow. Bedrooms are generally a comfortable place to be, and usually that's where the vast majority of your intimacy takes place. And so when you dream about, when you dream about, or when your dreams take place within your bedroom, that is the closest, that means that you, this is, this is the closest you are to your core self. This means that you are comfortable with who you are, who you are with, and where you are at in life. That's pretty cool. You know, dreams are so fascinating. You know, I could keep talking on for a, a lot longer about different kinds of dreams. I could talk about gruesome dreams. I could talk about crazy dreams. I could talk about romantic dreams or exciting dreams, you know, or scary dreams. I may have already said that already, but <laughs> you know me. I, I sometimes tend to repeat myself, but <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, but you know, like, like for example, flying, flying. I love flying in dreams. That's like one of the most exciting things to do in a dream. And, and what does that mean? What does flying in, in your dream? Like if you're flying in your own dream, not in an airplane, but on your, by yourself, like if you're able to like run and jump and, and fly, you know, depending how well are you flying? Are you in control of flying? Or do you feel like you're totally out of control? You're flying all over the place and you have no control of where you're flying. Well, so first of all, what does flying mean? Flying usually relates to whether it, it relates to our dreams, our ambitions, our goals. And if you're flying and you're in control and it feels good, then that means that in your life right now, you are pursuing your goals and your dreams 
your waking dreams with confidence, with security that you are capable and confident of actually achieving those dreams. But if you're shaky, you're flying, so you're pursuing your dreams, but you're not quite confident with yourself. So if this is the case, if you're flying in your dreams and you're a little shaky, then uh, what do you need to do to strengthen your confidence? Who do you need to recruit to help support you, to give you the confidence and, and the resources so that you can soar through life more confidently? So, dreams really are powerful tools. Oh, I'm just going to say one more thing. <laughs> I was just about to wrap it up. But I, I got I to gotta say this, this other thing. Because, you know, we all, well, I can't say we all. Most of us have these dreams about trying to get to school. Or you get to school and you're in the school or you're in the classroom and you're supposed to be taking this test and you haven't prepared for the test and you're sitting there and you're totally anxious. You're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't study for this test. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to do okay? Am I going to pass? And when you look down, you don't see the details of the paper. Maybe you have a pencil in hand and maybe you see the exam in front of you, but you don't really see the details. Well, what does that mean? Well, Again, dreams are subject to interpretation or, or to, you know, what you make them out to be. But typically, dreams in, of, a, of a school or the classroom means that there is a lesson or a test that we face inside the school or within the classroom that means that we've had an experience in our past and we need to learn from them. And maybe you haven't quite gotten the insight that you've needed. So what is life trying to teach you? What do you need to learn? We all have experiences. You, you have powerful lessons or powerful experiences in life that are so rich They are so full of information that can guide you in your present decisions, in your present actions, so that you can live a better life today and create an even better future. So if you're having this dream that you're in school or you're in a classroom and you have a test and you haven't prepared, I invite you to take some time in your life and to relax and meditate and allow your experiences in life to teach you what you need to know so that you can be a better spouse or a better partner or a better colleague or better parent. Because life is one of the greatest tools that we have. And dreams is just a simple way of tapping into 
an incredible wellspring or resource to guide our thoughts and our actions. Our dreams are a way of communicating our needs that when we're awake, we deny. We set them aside as not being important or we're so afraid of addressing them that we we quash it, we repress it, we set it away, saying, I'm not going to deal with you. But you can't run away from them forever, right? We can't avoid issues forever. So at some point, your mind is going to let you know, knock, 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 hey, you need to deal with this, you need to confront this, or hey, you're really okay. You have everything that you need and you're on the right path. So, this is what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to keep a dream journal. And as soon as you wake up, write it down. Write down as much as you possibly can. And then throughout the course of the day, if different parts of the dream pop up, write them down too. And then you'll start to notice a different pattern. Or not a different pattern. You'll start to identify a pattern in your dreams. And once you identify this pattern in your dreams or in your life, you'll be able to start taking the right action today. Today. And the only way you're going to be able to get that message is if you really tap into and pay attention to the details of your dream. Now, this is kind of backwards. I know I should have, I I realized I should have done this at the very beginning of the show, but that's okay. Uh, That's just kind of how I roll. Uh, one One of the things that I failed to mention at the very beginning of the show that I'm now closing the show with is what is referred to as manifest content and latent content. So all of those dreams that I've shared here with you uh, in in today's show, I've talked to you, I've shared with you the manifest content. You know, so like, like for example, uh, when I was dreaming about my father, well, that was just the manifest content. I could see him physically or, you know, with my friend, uh, who was dreaming about you know being in an airplane and having to jump out and realizing he doesn't have a parachute right that's the manifest content but what's the latent content what's the underflow what's the undercurrent what is the hidden content or the the information that's being shared with you and everything today that i have talked about like, for example, when, uh, when you dream about food, you might be dreaming about food, which is the manifest content. But what's the latent content of food? Well, generally, food symbolizes energy or knowledge or nourishment. And it's usually related to your intellect. Maybe if in your dream, the latent content 
maybe in your dream, the manifest content is you're starving, you're famished, and you, you're eating and you're eating and you're eating and you're not getting full. You just keep getting hungry and hungrier. Well, what's the latent content? To me, the latent content suggests that you're probably not being intellectually stimulated enough or what you're studying really is not satisfying your intellectual or spiritual or emotional needs. See, manifest content gives us understanding, gives us a gateway into the latent content, and the latent content gives us an opportunity to finally give voice and to recognize the various areas in our life that we need to address. So, you're going to journal these. You're going to journal your dreams. Even if you have no dreams, which I don't buy, every single human being dreams. They just don't remember them. But when you make a conscious effort to remember your dream, you will start to recall your dreams. And the more you practice on writing down your dreams, the more you're going to be able to recall. This is a practice. This should be a daily practice. And the more you write, the better your recall will be. The better your recall will be, the better you will be in the moment to understand what you need to do to take massive action today so that you can have control in your present and create a better future. If you liked today's show, you're going to absolutely love what we have on the blog. Visit us today at www.5freedomsnow.com. That's www.fivefreedomsnow.com.